Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Staying On Side. I'm your host, Isaac Ming, and joining me as he does every single episode, my co-host and your in-game voice of the Vancouver Giants, Cam Miller. Cam, how are you doing on this? Actually, it's a really nice day outside. What have you been up to, man? I'm excellent. I'm excited to get into this episode. We got um, plenty of different topics to talk about today, some NFL, some March Madness coming your way, and of course, uh, the main topic is always the Canucks. And yeah, you're right. It's a it's a beautiful Tuesday afternoon. Uh, I know you've got a tea time later, so yeah, we don't have too much to talk about today. I do want to make my tea time, so we are going to have a little bit of a shorter episode. But we've got the NFL free agency that is happening today. Today is March 14th, and uh, yeah, we also have the Canucks who just did a few signings over the weekend. It was a few depth pieces and a few rookies that came onto the team, and we also have a March Madness interview. Cam's buddy. Uh, uh, Cam's buddy's Holden is going to join the show uh, at the very end of the episode and they're going to do a little bit of a March Madness breakdown and who to put your money on and who he thinks he's going to win. Disclaimer though, he said it's not betting advice, not gambling advice. Obviously, I haven't listened to it yet, so I was just talking, but... No, it's all good. <laughs> okay. Don't don't bet your money on it because he doesn't want to be responsible for that. But... Yeah, well, as you guys are listening to it, I will be listening to it at the exact same time, so... But let's just jump into the Canucks real, real quick. Uh, over the weekend, we signed two rookies, two depth uh, for, or forward and defensemen. Aiden McDonough, Phil DiGiuseppe, uh, Brisbois, and this name is a little... Gonna, I should have looked it up before, but it's... Uh, I was about to say... You know? Kirill Kudryatsev, I think. Like, I think it's Kudryatsev. I think that's what Kudryatsev? it is. Kudryatsev? Kudryatsev? Okay. But uh, yeah, so let's kind of get into these. They're not really too, too big. Uh, a. McDonough was a seventh round pick in 2019. And he was the captain of Northeastern this year. Do you have anything to kind of comment on A. McDonough? He, he's been looking pretty good as a seventh round pick, but I don't really have too, too high expectations for him. Well, yeah, I was going to say there's been lots of hype surrounding him. I know within the Canucks community, whether we're going to resign him, whether he wants to sign with us. Um, just looking at his contract, it's a it's a two year, I believe seven hundred seven hundred fifty k AAV. Um, the reason for the two year though is because he remains an RFA at the end of this contract. Then, so that's a good thing. So we'll probably we're probably going to burn one of those years this year because we're going to bring him up to the NHL and play him. Is the that that's the suspicion. That's what everyone thinks is going to happen. So chances are we're going to bring him up. He's going to play more than nine games and he's going to burn one of those two years off his ELC. So we're going to be able to resign, like offer him an extension next year. Right. So that's good news. And that, yeah, that he remains an RFA. Aiden McDonough, like you said, he's a seventh round pick. He's been putting up, good stats at uh northwestern university like he's been over a point per sorry northeastern university uh he's been over a point per game the last two seasons with 20 goals in each season 
Um, so yeah, he's a big body, he's 6'2", 205. Um, he's a winger, which is unfortunate because we need centers. But from what I've heard about him, he's a he's got a great shot with a great release. But some the skating needs some work, which is uh, unfortunate. It's not quite at an NHL level yet. So that's that's pretty much all I know about Aiden there. So yeah, that's something I was gonna bring up. His he even said himself he was on uh, six fifty with the uh, satin. I think it was Dan. And uh, he even said himself that his skating does need work, but his shot is apparently uh, NHL ready. He apparently has a really, a really good shot, and that's where most of his goals obviously are coming from. He's not one of those uh, get in front of the net kind of guy. I guess he likes the opposite of Ovi spot, usually where uh, PD kind of stands. So we'll see. I don't see too much in his future. I think he'll be more of like a third line scoring winger if we can get him a good skating coach and kind of get up to the NHL speed of the of the game. But I don't think see it as a loss or a win or anything. I, if anything, it's a win because we actually got to sign him. Well, yeah, it's a win because we didn't lose him to a. He he was going to be a UFA, so we didn't lose him for nothing. So, and it's crazy that we're talking like this for a seventh round pick. Even just yeah, so even just signing a seventh round pick that's a that's a win. Yeah, to me, there's no downside, right? No. If he doesn't turn out to be much, like you said, fourth liner, maybe third liner. Even if he doesn't, even if he's not a consistent NHLer then you know he's a seventh round pick so but i'm hoping for the best for him obviously i think one of the things that i'm not 100 percent on this but i don't think he can go down to abbotsford can he no, i think it's an so. contract yeah so he would be really good to have for the playoffs but yeah and i also don't think he'll make the lineup in uh, arizona tonight because talkett did say in an interview that everyone's been playing so well that it's kind of hard to bring someone out of the lineup and to be fair he's not wrong oman dries and joshua have all been playing very very good if anything, it's if anyone was to come out, it'd either be Pod or uh, Kratzov. So, but they've been playing good too, in my opinion. Pod and Kratzov, I feel like could do a little bit more, but they've been playing really well. Don't get me wrong. But if anyone were to come out of the lineup, I feel like it'd be one of those two, just because they are rookies and they haven't really been scoring as much as that fourth line. Yeah, and then uh, moving on to this Kirill, you're gonna have to say the last name again. Utriatsev. Sure. Let's I hope go with that's that. It. I was really confident he, with it. Yeah, no, it was good. It sounded good. He's uh he's also another seventh round pick of the Canucks. He's a defenseman though. He's been playing in the OHL this year, so I'm not hundred percent sure why we decided to go sign his ELC right now, unless the plan is to play him at, in Abbotsford, because uh I think that is the plan. I, I feel like it is. I don't see why we would sign him otherwise. He is nineteen, yeah. right? True. He's been he's been having a good season in the OHL though. He's playing for the Sioux Greyhounds, and I guess they're not going to make the playoffs this year. So oh, they want to. Not yeah. Yeah, it doesn't look like it. So they're going to get him. I guess they they wanted to get him some games in the AHL, uh, whether that be for the playoff run or the rest of the regular season here in Abbotsford. But you know what? He's been producing at a pretty consistent level in the. OHL, he's got six goals, 39 assists in 62 games. And then last year, he had five goals and 34 assists in 68 games. So, you know, for a seventh round pick, he's an 04 04 born. So we just drafted him last year. You know, that's that's pretty good. Uh, That's really good production. I don't know much about the player himself. So I hope hopefully he's just as good defensively as he is offensively there with that production. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited to you know, see him in Abbotsford, see how he does. I feel like I can talk for the both of us and kind of say that 
we don't watch OHL hockey, so we don't actually... Honestly, I didn't even know who this guy was when, when I saw it come up on my Twitter. And it's pretty crazy that we're signing our seventh rounders. Like, I feel like these, these are huge wins for us. Even, even if they don't even play, like, just them being able to sign NHL contracts. Like, what more can you ask for a seventh rounder? This, these are complete Ws. He has, he has a pretty good frame on him, six foot, 200. Uh, left shot, but honestly, like I said last pod, we need defense. It doesn't really matter what hand they are. And maybe, maybe there are left-handed defensemen that do play on the right side and can adapt to that side. So maybe this guy could maybe do that, or maybe in the future he's our third-pairing left-hand D. I don't have too much to say. Like you said, I think he's going to get... Can 19-year-olds play in the AHL? Yeah, if they're not North American-born. Okay, so yeah, I, I do think that they're going to try and get him into the, in the AHL and get him some, some reps. But yeah, not too much... Uh, say about this guy he is a dan milstein client so i don't even know how much what that what number of dan milstein clients we have on the team now probably like five or six now a lot yeah do you want to try and name them all no we can do that next. off the top of my head isn't it like mikhaev kuzmanko this guy that's the only three i know i think i think it's kuz mikhaev uh, is uh kratsov is too Okay, there you go, Kraftstov. I feel like it's just all of our Russians except for Pod. <laughs> yeah. I think every Russian in our, in our organization is a Dan Milstein client except for Puck Coulson. Yeah, you, you put me on the spot there, though. Come on, dog. But, oh, I mean, we're all... We're <laughs> I know, I'm just bugging. I feel like we can... A little bit of a test. A little trivia. Exactly. Uh, but okay, the next yeah. signing that we're going to get into is uh, Phil DiGiuseppe. He hasn't really made too much noise for just i guess canucks in the last couple of years that he's been a part of our organization but this year i guess talk it's really liked him he's played 13 games for us uh that's the Hold most on. he's oh has he even been in... i swear he was for the rangers like he has not been part of our organization except for this year no he uh, has been what last year. yeah he played no, last just year, last year last year okay okay last oh. year in Abbotsford. my bad did i say few years yeah, but it's okay. I was you could me you could me too. But uh, yeah, yeah, he yeah. had a really he had a really good season last year, and then uh, even this year in the AHL, thirty two points in thirty seven games is pretty good. But Talkett's really liked this guy. Uh, he's been playing beside Miller. I think honestly, like how duos kind of go forward, it's kind of just been Kuzmenko and Pedersen, and then DiGiuseppe and Miller. Yeah, Besser's been kind of pushed aside as Besser's super on and off. It's been Besser or Garland um, on that wing with. Di Giuseppe and Miller, so I almost like rotating. Garland better on that wing. Oh, I like Garland way better. Besser, like he was like my favorite player for a long time. The last two seasons have been very underwhelming, and which is it's understandable from what him as a person has gone through. But uh, looking on the hockey side of things, you would love to see it uh, on the point sheet a little bit more instead of just four points in one game and then five blanks and then two points kind of thing. Yeah, and just more of an impact on the game overall, I think, from Besser's perspective. But yeah, I was anyways, say, enough about Besser. <laughs> yeah, we're getting we're getting a little bit off track, but it's okay. So we signed Digiuseppe and Brisebois. I mean, what was it? Digiuseppe's is a two way, but Brisebois is also a two way for the first year, but a one way for the second year. So, are we planning on keeping him in the NHL? I don't Guillaume? know. Like. I- I've really, I've actually really liked Brisbane. He's been pretty solid up so far. Nothing like, nothing that really jumps out at you about him. He's just that's a solid third pair guy. I feel like if Brisbane's on our 
on our decor next year, then it's not that not a great decor. But we also said that about Jalen Chatfield, and he's been playing minutes in Carolina, right? Yeah, so like that's the thing. He was a third round pick uh, back in 2015. Longest reigning play- so far. <laughs> yeah, he's. I saw that he's one of the longest reigning Canucks. Um, but for having to play with Myers too, because that's who he's playing with, he's been playing pretty well, like you said. So I don't mind giving these guys a shot at the end of the year, like Willanin, Brisebois, Giuseppe, Burroughs. I don't mind giving these guys a shot. But yeah, like you said, ideally, you know, he's a seventh defenseman, sixth defenseman maybe. But that second year of the contract that is a one-way makes it a little more complicated. Kind of just quickly touching back on Phil DiGiuseppe. For next year, where do you think he fits in the lineup? Because I do not want him playing. Like, he's been really solid beside Miller, but I also don't want to keep him beside Miller because I feel like we can get someone better. I think he'd be a solid third and fourth liner, obviously, but... Yeah, I kind of agree with you. I think fourth line is where I'd like to see him. Like you said, I've liked him alongside Miller, but that's not... He's not a top six player, right? He's someone you play in your bottom six and i don't want him to take minutes away from the young guys either right so i like him and i like that he's been able to help the team this year but ideally you know also it depends on who we draft you know Um, we're gonna get into that a little bit as well but i don't want him to take minutes away from those young wingers we have like pods and hoaglander and kraftstoff so you know what he's probably gonna play fourth line or maybe even back in the ahl next year I would really like a like a line, like a fourth line of Oman, Di Giuseppe, and Joshua. I really, really liked Oman and Joshua this season. I think they've been awesome, but that's, another, that's a conversation for another time. Uh, do you want to transition into the NFL conversation now? Sure, yeah. So yesterday was the beginning of NFL free agency. There, you know, there wasn't too many big name NFL free agents this year. There was a couple, but uh, nothing like we've seen in years past. So I think the biggest signing or the biggest like val or uh value of the contract i should say like biggest aav was jimmy garoppolo to the raiders to replace Derek carr there so he signed a three-year deal with the raiders this deal for him is a great deal if he can get a starting position anywhere i would have taken that so good for jimmy g and i actually i like jimmy g he's proven that he can win i know in the 49ers scheme um it's it's not too hard to go in there and succeed but you know what i think he's overhated as a quarterback he doesn't really do much wrong so you know what if the raiders are trying to win now they're trying to keep Devonte adams happy i like this signing for them next we got javon hargrave going from philadelphia to san francisco that's probably the second biggest name behind Jimmy G here in this free agency. Other than I know he's a he's a force to be reckoned with on the interior D line. I don't know much about Javon Hargrave. I know he had a great season for Philly. And San Fran is just just stacking up that already insane defense by adding another crazy interior D lineman. Next we got Chicago actually signed signed Tremaine Edmonds from the Bills. You know what? I heard lots of Bills fans saying that they were fine to let this guy go and that it was an overpayment and he was asking for too much. But Chicago's got to shore up that defense. They've got to build a competent team around Justin Fields and try to succeed. You know, obviously they did that with another trade that 
once Isaac is back here, we're going to, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that right now. <laughs> there we go. I got one more, one more to mention here. Okay, go on. Jesse Bates, the Cincinnati Bengals lost Jesse Bates to free agency. The Falcons signed him. He is one of the best safeties in the league. I'd, I'd probably put him top three. So that's a huge loss for Cincinnati and Atlanta's getting uh, one of the best ball Hawks in the league. And he's a good tackler. So he's good in coverage. Um, he can make a make a big play with a turnover, and um, his tackling is not a liability, which is something you look for in a safety. So they got him at uh, a four year deal worth sixteen mil a year. So that's a pretty good deal for Atlanta. There, they got a a solid safety there in Jesse Bates, kind of the the best safety they've had since Keanu Neal's prime back in twenty sixteen. So Atlanta's Atlanta's secondary is looking pretty scary there. So I think that's all the Big names I want to go over in free agency. Obviously, there's more like Jacoby Myers signed in Las Vegas. Um, Bradbury signed back in Philadelphia. Talk about Lazard. Lazard signed to the Jets, which is um, kind of a which means it's kind of a lock that Aaron's going to the Jets as well. Which is funny to me because Aaron Rodgers complained. I first of all, I'm not an Aaron Rodgers fan. I hate the guy. I don't know. Well, my mom's a Packers fan, so that's why I don't like the Packers. I do not share that same opinion. Give me all the shrooms. Oh, I hate Aaron Rodgers. It's just like, but it's nothing against him personally. It's just I don't like the Packers, so I always cheer against the Packers and always cheer against Aaron Rodgers. But you know what's funny? He complained about his wide receiver core so much in Green Bay, and then he like I don't know what the what the move is here for the Jets signing Lazard. But I would have to assume that he asked the Jets to sign Lazard after complaining about his receiving core. So. Yeah, but I don't really get it. That's a whole core he's he's uh, complaining about. I mean, he probably likes Lazar just as kind of as a lone solo guy. So, and the Jets have a lot of really good uh, upcoming wide receivers. I think this is a really yeah, good spot for Aaron to go to if if uh, he does actually end up going to New York, which it's very likely because I don't know where else he would go at this point. It's all the speculation's been that he's going to go with the Jets. Yeah, but yeah, let's talk about this DJ Moore trade because. That was crazy. That happened uh, last Friday. That this is one of the biggest trades we've seen in recent years. Yep. Um, the Bears got DJ Moore, the ninth overall pick in this year's draft, the sixty-first overall pick in this year's draft, and next year's first and a twenty twenty-five second. And the Panthers got the first overall pick in this year's draft. What do you think about this trade? I'll let you go first. It was pretty crazy. Um... I, did we no? We were together on the Ramsey trade. That's right. But I think this is a great trade for Chicago because they really need to start building around Justin Fields as quick as possible. I think they made that trade for uh, <laughs> I can't think of his name anymore. Who did they just Chase Claypool? Chase, I, I almost called him Chase Edmonds for some reason. Yeah, Chase Claypool. Uh, so that's a really good one too, in my opinion. DJ Moore and Chase Claypool. I think this is the year where we really do test Justin Fields to see if he actually can throw the ball because he he i'm sure he can and we did see it a little bit last year but we saw a lot more running around because his o-line failed him most of the time i do i do think that this is the this is the the test and to see if justin fields really is the real deal and i am a really big justin field fans i i've been since uh he was in college but uh, i i really do like this trade for him for him and chicago i'm gonna be on the opposite side of you i don't like justin fields i don't think his decision making is all that great. He takes too long to make his reads. Um, obviously, mean. and obviously, he's only 
been in the league for a couple of years, but I, I think this is a third year coming up. This The third year for quarterbacks is super important. He's had two years under his belt. I understand the supporting cast around him isn't great, but you know what? He still had Darnell Mooney. He still had Chase Claypool, Cole Komet. His offensive line was awful. Like I will give him that. He had probably had the least amount of time to throw, but that means you got to be even quicker. And he was the slowest quarterback in terms of making reads and making decisions, um, at least from the film I've watched. But this this should help him quite a bit. So the Bears get DJ Moore. Um, he is basically a, a perennial thousand yard receiver. He didn't have a thousand yards this past year, but that's because I don't think he played all seventeen games. But the last three years, um, he's had up near. 1200 yards since 2019 uh he's a former first round pick but yeah dj moore he's a wide receiver one so they've got their wide receiver one i'm gonna disagree with you that claypool is better than darnell mooney i think darnell mooney's better than claypool so he's kind of their number two and then claypool is a nice even third as a option, third option yeah exactly yeah no he's great and he's he's from here shout out to abbotsford yeah i'm, I'm excited to watch the bears this year and obviously, they've got that ninth overall pick and that 61st overall pick. Hopefully, they go make some moves in the draft to get an offensive lineman. What a rare statement. I'm excited to watch the Bears this year. I am because, you know no, what, the I mean, Packers... Like, they've been bad for so long, man. The NFC North is probably going to flip upside down, right? The Lions are going to be good, and the Bears are going to be good, and then the Packers and Vikings, I don't think will be that, that good. The Vikings were very overrated this year. Oh, very. And then they dropped yeah. Thielen. <laughs> Which is yeah. like, what, what's your thoughts on that? We'll just touch on this real quick. All the cuts that happen, I completely understand it. Like, especially he's at what, like 31, 32. So just to clear cap space. I feel like he'd, I but, still feel like he'd help them out a lot. I know, but just the, I'm not exactly sure how much cap space they gain, but I, I'm sure they wouldn't cut him unless it was a significant amount. And you you see that around the NFL with teams cutting veteran players to clear up cap space. Sat with Bobby Wagner. You see with running backs all the time. So, I mean, it doesn't. I don't think it's really that big of a deal for the Vikings to lose Thielen there. Especially, I like KJ Osborne. Actually, he's been playing well for the Vikings as a third option. Maybe he'll get an opportunity as to be the number two now. So, but from the Panthers' perspective, what do you think of this? I mean, who's supposed to go first overall? Oh, it's going to be a quarterback. You re- oh, you think, gonna be, think they're going to t- they're going to take CJ? I think it's going to be Stroud or Young. If I had to give my take, well, my, see, my prediction and my opinion are different. If I were the Panthers, I would take Bryce Young first overall because I think he's a better prospect than CJ Stroud. I'm not. A I understand CJ. I like CJ too. I think he'll be good, but no, I'm, I know really, I'm, I'm not a big fan of him. Yeah, I know. Uh, I like Bryce Young, though. I like him quite a bit. I know there are size concerns. He's like 5'10", smallest quarterback to come out since Kyler Murray, and really Kyler Murray is the only other small quarterback as small as Bryce Young to succeed in the NFL. But I don't know. I think Bryce Young's just so smart. Uh, he makes all the right decisions. He's fairly mobile. And yeah, there's not many holes in Bryce Young's game. And that's the thing. He's just such a pro-ready quarterback that I think that's who they'll go with first overall. If they're making this move to get the first overall pick, then, you know, I think that's, you know, 
that's who they're going to go with. Sorry, I think that's who they should go with. Who I think they're going to go with is CJ Stroud. Yeah. Just because, I don't know, it just seems like a Panthers type of move to take that, take CJ Stroud. I don't know why. I don't have any logic to back it up. It just like makes sense in my brain. And I know there, there were rumors of the Panthers liking CJ Stroud. So I guess that's the evidence I have to back that up. But it's really crazy because they were really trying to make it work last year with DJ Moore and then signing Baker, uh, bringing back Sam. Yeah, they were like doing everything to find a quarterback. So they finally just decided, you know what? Screw it. We're giving up all this draft capital and DJ Moore just to go get our guy. So Hopefully it's it not great. Them. Yeah. No, I, I hope it doesn't lot. work it out for a, them. No, no, no. No, you don't? They're division rivals of the Saints. Hopefully it works out for them. <laughs> no. One more thing to say about this, though, is for both teams, they're going to have quarterbacks on their rookie deals with a good supporting cast now, which, as we've seen in recent years, is the recipe for success in the NFL. I think like a lot of teams now are starting to realize this. It's important to win while your quarterback is on their rookie deal. Um, you saw it with Patrick Mahomes before his extension. Um, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen... Jalen Hurts, all on their rookie deals. You see those teams just trying to go win before they have to spend money on a on a quarterback like that. So I think the only teams to win it in the past couple of years have been Stafford and Brady um, with quarterbacks not on their rookie deals. So what's important for this both these teams is that they're they're making their team better, but the Panthers will have a quarterback for five years with a solid surrounding cast to try and go win it. And then the Bears have three more years left of Justin Fields on his rookie deal, again, with a solid supporting cast to try and go win it. So I think that's that's the bright side for both of these teams out of this trade. And then have we talked about Jalen Ramsey yet? No. You All go right, ahead and take this one. Let's quickly touch on Jalen Ramsey, and then we'll throw it to the NCAA talk. I was really surprised when I saw this, actually. In my opinion, Jalen Ramsey isn't, Maybe my opinion, it's kind of shared, but I don't know if this is hot or not, but he's not as good as he used to be. He's not the same player as he was two or three years ago. Yeah. That's hot. bold. Yeah. I just, that's bold. Like, no, Jalen Ramsey's great. He's still good. He was the number one corner in, a, in the whole league. I just don't know if he is that same player anymore. Top five. Sure. But I just don't think he's Jalen Ramsey of old. It's still a really good pickup for the Dolphins. And honestly, instead of saying very good, it's a huge pickup for the Dolphins. I think this makes them so much better and it makes them a, an even more uh, bigger contender. From Ramsey's, for, for your take about Ramsey, I just want to touch on that. I still think he's top three cornerback, and I agree he's not the best anymore, but I don't think that's necessarily a discredit to him. I just think other cornerbacks have come in the league and really proven themselves, like Sauce Gardner. You've got um, that Falcons cornerback. I completely, I'm blanking on his name. Oh. Uh, AJ Terrell. Yeah. So you've got you've got those two guys. Well, even um, Woolen's coming from. You've Seattle. got yeah, Tariq Woolen on the Seahawks. So you've just got you've got other younger cornerbacks that are starting to emerge as you know the new top three, new top five. But Jalen Ramsey, I would still put him top three. Um, he had a he had a, still had a great season last year in terms of stats and also kind of I, I go by PFF grades. I know that's not the be all end all for a player, but you know, I feel like it's fairly accurate. So he still had a really high PFF grade last year of 86.4. So I still think Jalen Ramsey is really good. 
And, you know, it comes back to trying to win while your quarterback's on their rookie deal. They've got to sign Tua soon if that's who they decide to go with as their future. So they're trying to win now with Tua on their rookie on his rookie deal. And even with Tua and his health problems, like even signing Mike Wade as a backup, he's a pretty decent uh, backup option. So I think the Dolphins are away. The Dolphins are a wagon this year. I really do think. I think they're gonna they're gonna go way farther than they did this year. Are you a Tua believer? Dude, Tua brought me to the playoffs in my fantasy. I am the biggest believer. <laughs> I love Tua, and before going into the season, there was so much hate surrounding him. Like, oh, he's got a noodle arm. Whatever, man. He's smart. He makes he makes accurate throws for the most part. He had one awful game against Green Bay on Christmas Day, but before his his head injury concerns which that still does worry me because that stuff is serious he was playing so good and i just love to see it so i really hope that it's not a concern for him going into this year both for him as a person and the player we get to watch so i'm hoping for the best for tua and the dolphins because i kind of like them i'm kind of rooting for him okay so i think that kind of finishes up our NFL free agency talk. I'm sure there's going to be a little bit more that goes on throughout the day, so we'll hop on that next week. And for now, we'll throw over to the NCAA interview Cam did with his buddy Holden. I got that one right? Yep. Anything more to say just before we throw it into the interview? No, not much. But uh, yeah, have a listen to this interview and uh, hopefully you like it. All right, so now we're getting into our March Madness segment of the show. For this segment, as we mentioned, we're going to bring on uh, a March Madness expert, as I like to call him. Our first interview of the show, uh, join me in welcoming Holden Zolnick. Hey guys, super happy to be on the podcast. Thank you for calling me an expert. Um, feel pretty good about the picks this year, not going to lie. Um, yeah, we're really just going to get into it, talk a little bit of analytics, pick a few favorites, who we think's going to go far, who's going to do well, who's not. Um, and then, you know, any players, injuries, things I think you should pay attention to if your team has any of these players. You might want to look into those picks. All right, so we're just going to get straight into it. Who who are your favorite three teams to win? Because I think that, you know, it's, it's hard to pick one team. So who your, who's, who's your top three? You know, so I think it's a little bit corny. I mean, obviously, my number one pick is going to be Houston. They're playing at home. I understand that they're going to be the betting favorite, so it's a bit boring. But they're playing at home. They're first in defensive efficiency. They're fifth in offensive efficiency. They shoot the three. Marcus Sasser is going to be fine. They've already said he's going to play Thursday. Do not worry about the Marcus Sasser injury too much. I don't think it's uh, super important. They're fantastic. They're going to have an easy first couple of games. I think they at least cruise till the Elite Eight until they maybe play a more difficult opponent. I have them as my one. Um, Alabama and Brandon Miller, super good. He shoots the three extremely well. If he can average 25 six 25 and 10 um they can definitely do super super well they're a little inconsistent and i do think there's a little bit of a karma factor coming in that's why i wouldn't pick them to win obviously brandon miller has been acquitted he hasn't been he's been uh not charged with any wrongdoing but i think at the same time there's just like a mojo aspect to a team in march madness and when you're just trying to predict that's why i would just predict houston instead and then there's a couple of teams on the fringe i mean kansas super good looking to repeat experience they've been there before they understand how to win they do have some unexpected i guess i would say losses i mean they've lost twice by double digits to texas and they've really been cooked in those two games to be honest so 
I wouldn't feel too confident in them. And then obviously to round it out, I'd probably start looking at a UConn or a Purdue, maybe a team that runs a pretty good interior defense and can really just hold on in those tight games. But I'd say as of right now, I like Houston, Alabama as one, two, and then UConn, uh, Kansas, and Purdue to round out top five. All right, so there you, got, you got a couple number one seeds in there, including uh, you're going with Houston as your favorite. That's also the general consensus favorite. Honestly, folks, if you're looking for a pick, the general consensus seems to be uh, Houston. I did forget to mention, I'm just looking down at my notes here, Marquette as a two seed is very, very dangerous. They're the fastest-paced offense and the slowest-paced defense. They can confuse a lot of teams. They cruise to a win um, in their conference. They score extremely efficiency. They shoot the three ball extremely, extremely well and very efficient, 40-plus percent from beyond the arc, I believe. Um, and they pass the ball very well. Those are all kind of the things you need to look at. They don't, they're not too streaky. Um, I would feel pretty good about them as a two-seed. Mar- Marquette was the team that you were talking about earlier before we started recording. Uh, you said they have a really fast-paced offense and uh, they, they slow it down on defense. Yeah, um, they have a little bit of a unique style of play, and I think it is going to match up well um, getting into this tournament. Uh, they've played a very, very good season so far. I mean, they're scoring very efficiently, like I was saying, um, from all areas of the floor, which is something you need to look at. Um, if you look at teams that tend to go on big runs versus giving up big runs, they're on the side of giving up less big runs than they're creating. So they're a team that can get hot on you very, very quickly, score in bunches. You know, all things that can worry uh, a number one seed. And yeah, they score at an extremely fast pace. So they score at the fastest of any team. And on defense, their strategy is to really play an extremely slow defense and then break out in transition, which I think has been working super well for them so far. And I don't I don't see why it would stop working for them now. Um, I like their path. I think they could for sure make the Final Four. And I don't think it's a stretch to see them in the final, maybe playing against Houston. Um, again, paths come into play a lot here, and I would not be surprised if I see them make a deep run. Okay, interesting. So those are some top-seeded teams. I know you mentioned a couple one-seeds in there. Marquette's a two-seed. I think UConn's a four-seed. So those are your favorites for the top seed. But every year, or I feel like every year, we see a lower seed make a run. A couple years ago, it was Oral Roberts. Um and uh, St. Mary's 15 seeds and 14 seeds making it to the Sweet 16. Who are three lower seeds that you can see making a run this year? I mean, you know, this is kind of everyone's favorite thing to talk about. Who are you going to be betting on? Who who should you be kind of making a stretch pick at? Um, not going to really go into too much on odds, but I have a couple of teams here listed for us. I'm going to go with 12 seed Oral Roberts. I don't know if I'm going to be officially picking them over Duke. I think that's a terrible first round matchup for them. They're gonna be they're gonna be in pretty tough, and they have a tough, tough path. Most likely, they're gonna have to have three quality wins to start off the tournament. Either Duke, uh, Tennessee, Memphis. They're gonna have to match up with one of those teams. Maybe Purdue. Um, now they run the point super well with Amos. Um, they have a super tall center on the inside. Um, they score well. They had a fantastic record this year. I want to say they only lost. I think they were thirty and four. Um, undefeated conference play. Um, you can argue that they play in a pretty weak conference, so I understand that, but they've done it before. I wouldn't be too surprised. Uh, moving on, if we're looking at a team that I think is a little bit more of probably a legit, uh, legit upset pick, someone who I could see going to the final four, someone who, if everything goes well, yeah, they could make a, 
a title run. And for me, that's Memphis coming in as the eighth seed. They are fantastic on offense. They have some defensive uh, issues. They do. They have. Um, they've beat Houston. They have played some really, really elite basketball. I mean, they're putting up just about NBA numbers. They're scoring 80. They've scored 90. Um, I love the way the teams run. I can see them having a, a solid path. And then I talked a little bit. I think I mentioned Creighton already before. Extremely elite starting five. They're super streaky. They've beat UConn, who I think is one of the better defensive teams. They have some weird losses, and they have not been consistent. But if they can get hot early and win some games, maybe they beat Baylor. Um, I like them a lot as a six seed. I think they could really do some damage. Um, yeah. So basically, Oral Roberts, you know, it's always a great story. If they beat Duke, I like them moving. Um, Memphis, I love. And then Creighton, I'm high if they can get hot early. Yeah, that's what the tournament's all about sometimes. It's these streaky teams catching fire at the right time. You'll see throughout the season consistent teams, and then they get to the tournament, and it just falls apart on them. Um, We've seen it in years past with Ohio State losing a couple years ago, and just higher seeds that go in with so much more expectations and lose to a team who can just put it all together at the right time. So if, if... any of those teams that you mentioned, Memphis, Creighton, Oral Roberts, are able to put together a string of four, five, six good games of their best basketball, then, you know, those are some great value picks there um, out of some lower seeds. I'm going to kind of move into, um, you've kind of given your picks for your favorite couple teams to win, your favorite couple teams to move on. What about overrated teams are there any are there any overrated teams in this tournament um so you know overrated in march madness this it's definitely a little bit weird because there is a selection committee and there is seedings so you can be i think a pretty underrated 12 seed um but that's just mostly based on selection committee stuff i don't think that's all too much your fault some teams that i would look at and some teams that i would be worried about is first of all virginia to me is the worst four seed would not feel confident in them they played in a pretty bad ACC. They racked up some wins, I understand, but inconsistent. They do not score efficiently. Their defense is pretty decent, but I see some I see some gaps in this team. I wouldn't love them, and I think they're I think they don't they don't deserve a four seed. I I would rather have a Creighton or a Memphis. I think in that scenario, I'd I'd have them on upset watch against Furman. Um, now Furman obviously not a fantastic team either. I don't see them going far in the tournament. But I would be aware and be a little bit nervous if you have Virginia going deep in your brackets. Um, and then just to switch it over to the other side, a few games I would say that I'd like to highlight. I don't have a lot of teams that I feel like are extremely overrated. But a few games and things I'd like to highlight for teams that I'd be nervous about first round is going to be Drake and Miami. Now Miami as a five seed is still a good team. They've won in bunches. They've proved they can score in bunches. They can score on the run. Um, they can score inside. They're going into a very, very tough matchup with this Drake team who loves to win basketball games. They know how to win. They've won the conference. They're running the table. Um, Win streak, super good. They've won a bunch of games. I would definitely feel nervous if I'm Miami, especially with the inconsistency this year. I can see them losing that game. And then the other two games I just wanted to touch on is going to be Jalen Hood-Shafino and Indiana at Kent State. Kent State 
one of the best defenses. They can slow the game right down. I think they can neutralize Hood Shafino. Um, I think they're going to be a very, very tough matchup for Indiana. If I'm Indiana, this is a matchup that I probably didn't want to get drawn against me. I don't have the upset in my own bracket. I have Indiana. I think they're going to pull through. But that's a game that I'd be worried about. I don't feel awesome about that game. And it's definitely a game that I can see having an upset in it. And then just the one last game I'd like to touch on is the inconsistency of Texas this year. Now, they're playing Colgate, and I don't see them losing that game. But there could definitely be a round of 32 or Sweet 16 exit. They've won games against Kansas twice. But they have some weird, inefficient losses against Kansas State and some other teams. And I'm just... I'm never a fan of teams who can seem to only beat one style of team i would like a team that's a little bit more well-rounded and unfortunately i see that texas might not make it too far this year you know i I think you're right about that one style versatility is probably one of your best friends in this tournament because you don't know who you're gonna have to play you don't know until all the games have been played out right so you could as a two seed you could end up playing um, the seven seed or the ten seed in the next round. Exactly. And you know, Texas's path has them. I have them playing Texas A and M in the round of thirty-two. Yeah. Who I think Texas A and M is a solid team as well. Very efficient seven seed. You could see where like that game kind of goes south. Mostly why I was touching on it there is like I understand that if you have them winning in the first round against Colgate, it's probably a safest pick. Although Colgate shoots, uh, I think a top ten efficiency from three pointer and. They don't rely on it as much, which are some key stats you want to see, but I still probably wouldn't go too crazy and pick Goldgate. Probably stick with Texas, but yeah, I'd definitely be aware looking into those late rounds. Yeah, okay. Now that we kind of got your picks, underrated, or sorry, overrated teams, uh, you've given us your teams that you think you can go on a run here, but also some potential first round upsets, um, like 12 seeds and 13 seeds, but that necessarily you haven't picked. Um, obviously, all these picks. You know, we're, we're kind of given uh, hypothetically. Obviously, when we make our brackets, you can't have too many upsets because it, it's just realistically that yeah. that's not going to happen. But, you know, these are just some, some games to keep an eye on. So, are there any players to keep an eye on? I mean, definitely. So, I just want to start off. Um, I loved UCLA all season. They've unfortunately kind of taken some injuries here. You know, Jalen Clark out for the year. Um, I would definitely be very focused on how they perform against Northwestern. If they can manage to, or if they play a very solid game, because they're an extremely well-rounded team, and they're super good defensively. So if Tiger Williams or Tiger Campbell and uh, kind of the rest of the field, Jaime Jaquez, um, they can step up and play well, then I definitely see a world where UCLA does well. I would like to just touch on, I haven't mentioned Purdue at all as a one seed. If Zach Eady can be dropping 30 and 10 or whatever, he's going to get 30, 12 and 6 a game. Purdue can 100% make a run. I don't want to discount them at all. I was talking about Memphis earlier, and in my bracket, I do have Memphis as the upset, but Zach Eady, he is the unanimous All-American. He is a top three player in college basketball he's fantastic on both sides of the ball um he's probably someone that you need to keep an eye on especially if you're a memphis upset like i am um obviously you're moving into brandon miller in alabama um one of the better scorers he's getting 25 a night super great three-pointer he can dunk he can pass he can do it all um again he's one of those guys to keep an eye on and then 
obviously for me, my pick is Houston. It's going to be Marcus Sasser. I think he's a top five player. He's a top five scorer. He's hurt right now. Um, so it's just however he comes back from injury. I right now think that he'll be fine. That's all I've been hearing. That's all the reports is that he's fine. He's ready to come back. But if he comes back and he just doesn't quite seem like himself, definitely could be a problem, even though I still feel confident in them. And then uh, someone who's, I'd say, pretty underrated and probably who not a lot of people are going to touch on, I'd be looking at Cam Jones, a point guard for Marquette. He's averaging like 15 and 7 a game. He orchestrates the game extremely well, and he has the power to slow down or speed up um, to score to box out, play some good defense as a guard, as a smaller guard. I think he's someone you should definitely be keeping an eye on on Marquette. All right. Well, I think that just about covers all our bases in terms of what we wanted to go over on March Madness. Uh, You can see why we call Holden the expert here. He's got lots of great info for us. So I I thank you for that because I I could not have talked that much about March Madness. I hope I'm right. I mean, I hope I didn't just give a bunch of false picks, but it's super fun. Super happy to be here. Hope that I can come back, talk some football or hockey one day, you know, love to be on. But yeah, as of right now, it's just Houston. I'm taking Houston. Um, And I don't have too much else to say about that. I think they can score. I think they can defend. Um, And it's in Houston. If they make the final four, they're getting back to back semifinal and final home games i think that's extremely important that's your call then you're, you're going with houston the experts going Book with it. houston We're booking i guess it. guess i'm i had alabama winning personally but you know going. i can I might have to change to houston after this i don't know karma factor we're booking houston okay all right, all right you heard it here first folks uh thank you very much for joining us today holden no problem thank you so much for having me you know hopefully i'll be back on soon and have a good one guys all right, ladies and gentlemen, that was our first ever guest interview. Thank you so much to Holden for coming out and joining us for your expertise on March Madness. I'm super excited to watch the tournament coming up here in March. And that will wrap up our show for today. We went Canucks, NFL, and then into that March Madness interview. So a yeah, that wraps up our show today. Sorry about that, guys. Yeah. But we'll, we'll do a full, nice, uh, thick episode next week. Yeah, and there wasn't much to say on the Canucks this week other than, you know, we could have we could have broken down some of last week's games, but we're a little bit short on time to make Isaac's tea time here. So yeah, I got to be gotta... fifteen minutes, and I'm fifteen minutes away. So hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, I get there. <laughs> okay, okay, I'll wrap it up right now then. But yeah, that wraps up our episode. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed all the different sports talk today. Thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next Wednesday. Why did I call the episode thick? I don't know if I want to say ladies and gentlemen, that kind of sounds lame. All right, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, yeah, we also have uh, Cam's buddy. Uh, I'm going to restart that part. What's his name again? Roland? I don't know why I call him. <laughs> Hold, Holden. Holden, that's what it was. Yeah, and we've got uh, Cam's buddy. Uh... <laughs> you got to say it one more time, dude. Holden. H- Holden? I yeah. almost call him Holland. <laughs> <laughs> and we also have a March Madness interview. Uh, 
Cam's buddy, uh, <laughs> Holden. No way. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I couldn't think of it for a second. I'm going to leave this one in though. Uh, Cam's buddy's Holden's going to join the show uh, at the very end of the episode. And 